From the moment the FBI agents searched former President Trump's Florida home at Mar-a-Lago, it was controversial. Former President Donald Trump allegedly had more than seven... They had a warrant, and they were looking for classified documents. More than 700 pages of classified material from mar a set of documents marked top-secret, sensitive, compartmented information. That's material that can be only viewed in a secure facility. Attorney General Merrick Garland made clear that the buck stopped with him. I personally approved the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. The search ignited a debate about classified material and the proper way to handle it. We've been here before. There was the incident with Sandy Berger, former national security advisor during the Clinton administration. He took classified documents from the National Archives. He was caught smuggling classified documents out, and he was eventually fined $50,000. He had stuffed some of them in his socks. And former CIA director David Petraeus, he shared notebooks with classified information with his biographer, who also happened to be his lover at the time. Petraeus has served two years of probation. He also has to pay a $100,000 fine. But the case that the Trump document story made us think about was a more recent one from 2017. And it ended entirely differently than the Berger and Petraeus episodes. Today, a federal judge handed down the sentence to reality winner. It's the longest sentence ever given for a federal crime involving leaks to the media. Now a Georgia woman will serve five years in federal prison for that crime. To an reality winner wasn't a Washington insider. She was a linguist and an NSA contractor. And she ended up in prison for sending a single classified document about Russian election interference to a reporter. And one of the questions that continues to swirl around her case, and made us think of the Mar-a-Lago papers, is whether she got a stiff sentence because she didn't have political connections. I think status um, across the board in our legal system makes a difference in terms of how people are treated. That's Joe Whitley. He was one of reality's lawyers. I don't know for sure, but I do believe that there was not really anything in reality's life that matched either Sandy Berger or David Petraeus' situation. She had no clout in that regard. And this Trump document story? It's all about political clout. If you're the president of the United States, you can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified, even by thinking about it. I'm Dina Templerest, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. Today, a return to reality winner. We had a rare interview with her earlier this year, but given everything that's going on with the Mar-a-Lago papers, it seemed an opportune time to take another look at her story. Stay with us. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. Hello, I'm Adam Fleming from the Global Story podcast from the BBC World Service. We are looking at Lena Khan, the face of the US government's battle to regulate big tech. 
she's already redefined the way we talk about monopolies. Now she's taking on the likes of Amazon and Meta. But who is she and will she win? The Global Story brings you fresh takes and smart perspectives from BBC journalists around the world. Find us wherever you get your BBC podcasts. We're about uh, 40 minutes outside of Corpus Christi, a pretty rural area of Texas. So we're driving down a two-lane stretch of road that is just farm after farm after farm. Reality Winner's house is on the edge of a cattle ranch about 100 miles north of the Mexican border. The destination is on your left. She lives with her mom and her stepdad and a bunch of animals. Hello. Are you a good dog? There's a dog named Domino, a couple of fluffy cats, and a horse named Trouble. You already met Domino? Yeah, he actually climbed into the car. Super nice to meet you. She'd always been good at languages, so she wanted to use that skill for the greater good. So when she was still a senior in high school, she called her local recruiting office. And basically said, like, hi, my name's Reality Winner. I'm enlisting to be a linguist in Middle Eastern and North African languages. And they laughed really hard. You know, they didn't know who I was, just, you know, just cold called them and said, I'm going to be a linguist. She says she came to find out it meant translating intelligence. A career as a linguist would be dark rooms with lots of computers and no person-to-person contact, and how difficult it would be to actually deploy and actually understand combat up close, that it would always be from afar. Maybe they were laughing at her name. Maybe it was the certainty of her intention or the precision of her plan. Whatever it was, it worked. A few years later, she was a linguist. What languages do you speak? Um, speaking is kind of uh, (laughs) shaky right now, but Farsi, Dari, Pashto. I could come up with the Latin if I needed to. It's not much of a spoken languages, but I can read Farsi, Dari, Pashto, Latin, and Hebrew. Reality is not allowed to talk about how she used her language skills at the NSA. It's classified. But she'd later tell the FBI that she worked in the drone program, likely translating communications that helped drone operators identify targets. And this makes sense. Farsi would have helped her identify Iranians in Iraq, working with insurgents. Pashto would have helped her spot terrorists in Afghanistan. Reality spent much of her time in something called a SCIF. SCIF stands for Secretive Compartmented Information Facility. She'd check her phone at the door, swipe a badge, walk through a metal detector, and then go into an area where sound could neither come in nor go out. Most gifts don't have windows. Some emit a kind of white noise to prevent eavesdropping. It's where all classified documents are supposed to be viewed to protect their secrets. So having a bunch of secret documents at Mar-a-Lago where they book bar mitzvahs and weddings. Former President Donald Trump got up at a wedding at Mar-a-Lago and started rambling about politics. It could have been a campaign speech. Even Bill Barr, Trump's attorney general, said that was crazy. People say this was unprecedented. Well, it's also unprecedented for a president to take all this classified information and put him in a country club. We know now from press reports and congressional testimony that about two weeks before his inauguration, intelligence officials gave Donald Trump details about how the Russians tried to meddle in the 2016 elections. 
Among other things, they showed him texts and emails from Russian military officers. But back in the spring of 2017, none of that was public. And then-President Donald Trump wasn't offering any clues. You don't think it's phony that they, the Russians, tried to meddle in the election? You believe that? That I don't know. Turns out, he was dissembling. I don't you know. don't know or you do know? Well, I have a, a problem. Meanwhile, reality winner had actually seen some of the classified details about a Russian attempt to slip into state election systems. If she knew as an analyst, she was sure the president of the United States knew as well. And while the Russian hackers hadn't succeeded, the document reality saw was proof that they were trying. Given all the news about Russian meddling at the time, reality said she and her colleagues at the NSA were certain the report would be leaked. We were waiting for something, and it never came up. Reality remembers there was this crazy work ritual among young NSA staffers. If you go back to March, April, May 2017, you knew that right at that 5 p.m. journalistic deadline every Friday, there'd be a new leak. Today, WikiLeaks, the anti-secrecy website, dumped thousands of pages of CIA documents that were stolen from the National Security Agency and posted online by a group called the Shadow Brokers. It's not the first Reality time. says working from a windowless skiff while watching classified material leak to journalists was a bit surreal. And of course, working in a, a secure environment where information was very tightly held, we were watching because these leaks made our jobs way harder. And so that was how we viewed leaks as massive inconveniences, massive setbacks. That's because leaks were invariably followed by lengthy investigations. Security personnel would go through everyone's email. They'd bring people in for questioning. They'd ask about any contact they might have had with journalists. It was a total time suck when they had so much more important work to do. Reality says May 9, 2017, was a day like any other. She certainly didn't intend to print a document off a classified server, hide it in her pantyhose, and then leak it. It was just like a mid-morning spur of, this is what I'm going to do. As she saw it, democracy was under attack by the Russians, and she thought people should know. There was no higher level of thought to this. It was take item A and give it to the intercept, and they're going to save the world with it. Because everything, there's always a happy ending, right? Um, I believe that it would be seen as altruistic and that I wouldn't basically be, have my character so blatantly um, distorted. She said it never occurred to her to look into the legal ways of calling attention to this information. She just put the document in an envelope. And then you put it in the mailbox and go home and don't think about it again? And don't think about it. Yeah. Um, Though that following Friday, towards that Friday 5 p.m. Um, leak mania, I would <laughs> keep an eye on the news or I would check the news on Saturday morning to see what broke overnight. And nothing ever happened. So by week three, I was like, mm, okay, whatever. It wasn't meant to be. We'll be right back. Politics has never been stranger or more online. 
which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. When reality winner passed that five-page classified document to a reporter, she committed a crime. There's no argument about that. But there was a way this all could have gone down legally. There's a formal whistleblower process that includes lawyers and the legal transfer of government documents. And if it all works out, and sometimes that doesn't always happen, some sort of protection. Go outside the process like Reality Winner did, and it really doesn't matter what you're releasing. Technically, legally, you're not a whistleblower. You cannot release classified information to the press and be a lawful whistleblower. This is Mark Zaid. He's probably one of the best-known whistleblower attorneys in the country. He's represented lots of government employees, and lots of his cases involve classified information. He says defining a whistleblower isn't a moral judgment, it's a legal one. And as a matter of law, Reality Winner had options that she didn't exercise. But if she had just gone over and given it in hand to a member of Congress who was authorized to receive it, then yes, she would have been very much protected. And no doubt that member and Congress would have stepped up to protect her if any retaliation had occurred. When I asked Reality Winner directly if she considered herself a whistleblower, she said she didn't. But it seems like she had little frame of reference for this kind of thing. She told me she'd never even read about whistleblowers or people who leaked information, like Edward Snowden or Chelsea Manning, because she wasn't supposed to. Because it was so taboo to even go home and read about it. You were not allowed to read those articles. As crazy as it sounds, that's a thing. Technically, you're only supposed to see information you're cleared for. And there are rules on what you're not supposed to see, even if it's all over the news. So to make sure you don't accidentally read something you're not supposed to, people with clearances just avoid everything. According to Reality, her attorneys and two law enforcement officials close to the case, a reporter from The Intercept handed both the classified document and the envelope it was sent in to someone in the intelligence community. The reporter said he wanted to make sure it was authentic. The Intercept told Click here that they shared just the document, but not the envelope. Whatever happened, we do know that the document and the envelope ended up at the FBI, and it led them right to reality. Usually, if a reporter wants to verify the authenticity of a classified document, their first step is to retype it. The idea is to avoid revealing identifiable marks on the document that would burn a source. That has been pattern and practice for years, but it didn't happen in this case. That said, the document and the envelope certainly wasn't the only evidence pointing to reality. The NSA could see that only six people printed the document from a classified server, and reality was one of them. She said later she wasn't really thinking about how the document might be traced back to her. Not getting caught or doing it super covertly was not a concern because, again, it was, even if they had found out it was me, I was just trying to help, seen as something altruistic, zero damage done. The thing is, 
she couldn't possibly know that no damage was done. Intelligence documents and classified information often reveal more than what is on the page. Sometimes, something trivial can actually be meaningful to the adversary. For example, the single document reality took, it had a date, which would indicate to the Russians how long it took the U.S. government to figure out what they were doing, which is exactly why the Justice Department is so concerned about the hundreds of documents found at Mar-a-Lago. FBI agents, according to the Washington Post, found a document describing a foreign government's military defenses, including its nuclear capabilities. The Post according to the Mar-a-Lago affidavit, some of the documents they found could have revealed sensitive details about human intelligence sources or how spy agencies intercept the electronic communications of foreign targets. And who knows what else? Reality Winner was arrested on June 3, 2017, and she was charged with violating the Espionage Act. It so happens that's the same law under which the FBI said it was authorized to seize the materials at Mar-a-Lago. The Espionage Act dates back to World War I, and it basically makes it a crime to disclose secrets that could harm the U.S. or help a foreign adversary. The part that's most relevant here is something called 793D, it's about individuals who are allowed to see classified materials, but then share it with someone who isn't. It also has a provision for people who don't return classified documents when they're asked to do so. Prosecutions under the law are rare, and it tends to lead to little or no prison time. Usually it's just a fine. But as we know, that's not what happened in reality's case. I'm a conservative, a Republican, a I certainly believe in national security and maintaining our national secrets. Joe Whitley is one of Reality's lawyers, and he isn't a U.S. attorney in Georgia and one-time general counsel at the Department of Homeland Security. But on the other side of the equation, people need to be defended. And I, I've never felt uh, quite so proud as I did in this case of being part of defending a Reality winner in this circumstance. The problem for Reality was because the crime occurred outside an army base in Georgia, her case was heard in a federal court there. Almost all of these cases, for the most part, are brought in the D.C. area, either in the uh, D.C. District Court, uh, Maryland, or Virginia courts near Washington. The judges there are quite familiar with these types of cases, um, and I, I believe for the judges at least that were involved in this matter, this was um, a bit of an education. Certainly, um, they were not familiar with this. I, I think she needed to be sentenced. I think she needed to be punished, given what she did. This is Mark Zaid, the whistleblower attorney again. And he says her sentence was harsh. Uh, you know, what that sentence would have been, uh, you know, consistent with others would have probably been, you know, two, three years or so. All our reporting supports the fact that Reality's decision to release the document was a spur-of-the-moment thing. If you had to do it again, would you have released the document? No. Reality was sentenced to five years for mishandling one document. Former President Trump is accused of handling boxes of them.
This is Click Here. Here are some of the big cyber and intelligence stories of the past week. The superintendent of the Los Angeles Unified School District confirmed this week that the Vice Society Ransomware Group has leaked some of the data they stole last month from the district. He said any ransom demand would be absurd, but that they'd receive one that was particularly, in his words, insulting. So negotiations have stopped. The head of the Finnish Security Intelligence Service said the world should brace for cyber attacks from Russia this winter because Moscow's traditional intelligence gathering, using spies and diplomatic cover, have been hobbled by sanctions related to the war in Ukraine. The agency said that the Finnish government has probably severed the connection that spies in their country had to Russian networks, which is throttling the ability to pass along information. The University of Toronto's Citizen Lab has a new investigation that alleges Mexican journalists and human rights officials who have been investigating the link between extrajudicial killings, drug cartels, and the Mexican military were infected with spyware from the NSO group. NSO makes a kind of zero-click spyware known as Pegasus. It's been linked to a roster of intrusions on the phones of activists around the world, including friends of murdered Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi. In its latest investigation, Citizen Lab says that while it's published a series of reports of widespread uses of Pegasus in Mexico, the new discoveries suggest that despite assurances from the Mexican government that this would stop, it hasn't. New cases, which took place between 2019 and 2021, were uncovered by the Mexican digital rights organization R3D, with some technical support provided by the Citizen Lab. And finally, The United States has failed in its bid to extradite a British citizen accused of helping North Korea use cryptocurrency to evade sanctions. Christopher Ems had been detained in Saudi Arabia since February after the FBI issued an Interpol red notice for his arrest. Ems has since fled to Russia, saying that looks like it's going to be his home for the foreseeable future. Ems denies that he helped North Korea evade sanctions. He says he just went to a cryptocurrency conference there. Click Here is a production of The Record by Recorded Future. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, your host, writer, and executive producer. Our senior producer and marketing director is Sean Powers, and Will Jarvis is our producer and helps with writing our episodes. Karen Duffin and Lou Olkowski are our editors. Darren Ancrum is our fact-checker. And Ben Levingston composed our theme and other original music. Other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. Kendra Hanna is our intern. And we want to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts. And connect with us by email at clickhereatrecordedfuture.com or on our website at clickhereshow.com. We'll be back on Tuesday. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to the record.media.